Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Another day means another group of automatic qualifiers for the NCAA tournament. Welcome to the Screen the Screener Podcast where we talk all things NCAA basketball with you during the absolute greatest week of the year, the week leading up to Selection Sunday. Joined here, as I am every night, by my illustrious friend, partner, and fellow basketball soothsayer, Gus Kearns. Gus, long time no see. A long time no talk, Mike Randall and listeners out there. Good evening, good morning, and good afternoon out there. Thank you for your personal choice of consumption of the Scream the Screener podcast. We are manufacturing this basketball listening pathway on the evening of March 8th. It's the best time of year, really, Mike. It kind of feels like a little bit of spring here on the East Coast. You're seeing more green for St. Paddy's Day around, which is always a good sign that mid-March is underfoot. Speaking in your feet, listen, folks, do yourselves a favor out there. Check those shoe soles this month before walking in the door after work. That thaw that you're enjoying equals mud from frozen soil. I'm just saying, stop the mess at the stoop. Be alert out there. Otherwise, you're going to have to need you're going to need to kick that cord of the vacuum we mentioned last podcast while you're vacuuming it up. Hey, we aim to improve your commute to and fro. We thank we're thankful for you guys plugging us into the car. Maybe you're moving those seasonal crates like those boxes. You know, you're trading like your winter gear for your T-shirts, your flip flops and your shorts. You know, we hope to help some push some boxes in the proper direction. Always thankful. So humbled. Honestly, honored to chat NCA hoops with Mike and our ever-increasing audience out there. Hey, ahoy out there, at Obvious Brothers. Thanks for listening, brothers. Cheers. And ahoy out there, at Sandy Briefax. I hope I say that correctly. We're going to say Salancha, and I'm going to give it a chant. I'm going to give it a shot here. You ready, listeners? Gratulazja. Means congratulations in Polish. Shout-out to Big Shem. Shout-out to Gonzaga. Happy to have you all tune in. Let's do this. My man is speaking Polish. And is there any reason why you should go to any other podcast? Gus, I'd like to start with a question, if you don't mind. Yeah, shoot. Which is more likely to happen? Devontae Kakuk of UNC Wilmington missing a shot or watching Virginia actually have a fast break? Which do you think is more likely to happen? Before you answer, Devontae Kakuk for UNC Wilmington, the forward, his field goal percentage this year, Gus, do you have any idea what his field goal percentage is? I will give you a hint. He's attempted 224 field goal attempts. What do you think his field goal percentage is? Just to put that in perspective, I think his teammate, if I'm remembering the rundown from last night, Denzel Ingram has put up more threes than yes. he's put up actual field goals. Is that correct? That's correct. But 224 is a decent amount of field goals. Yes. Yeah, right? It's a decent it's number. It's about 10 a game. Ha, ha, how about 10. this? Is he shooting like something crazy like 62% from the field? 62% would be crazy. What's 79.9% from the field, Gus? Are you serious? <laughs> yes. He is the leader in field goal percentage in the nation for UNC Wilmington, as if they need to be dangerous enough. And listen, the answer is obviously – uh, that because Virginia never fast breaks. So it was sort of a trick question there, Gus, because Virginia never fast breaks. So really the answer is is uh, Kakuk missing a shot, although he doesn't miss many at 79.9, which by the way is about 80% from the field. How many players have we talked about who are not even shooting 80% from the line and he's shooting 80% from the field? That's a little insane. Just just when you thought like, oh, you know, they're efficient from three. Yeah, you have Wow, eighty percent from the field. I, I was not. I was not aware of that stat. One hundred and seventy-nine field goals made, two hundred twenty-four attempted. I'm just saying. 
And by the way, they shoot a ton of threes. There we go. Yeah. Efficient. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's get started, Gus. I'm sorry we, we could talk about that for a while. Moving on, folks. We're here to talk about the qualifiers. We have some new qualifiers today. Gus is going to kick it off. We got three to talk to you about. Well, really four, Gus, right? Yeah, really four. But the fourth one is sort of the big one that we'll talk about for a while. So, Gus, kick it off. How about the Northeast Championship, my friend? What do you got? Okay. So, the, in the Northeast Championship, we had St. Francis. St. Francis from uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, 16 and 15 coming in. They were 11 and 7 in conference. They fell to Mount St. Mary's, who was coming in at 18 and 15 and 14 and 4 in conference overall. 71 61. St. Francis was up at the half here, 31 23, which means Mount St. Mary's put up almost 50 points in the second half to accept their March invite. Elijah Long, six-foot sophomore, he was the guy, going for 24 points in 37 minutes here. But the real reason to pay attention to the mount is 5'5", junior guard, Junior Robinson. The guy puts it up. He puts up 14 points, three assists a game, and is just fun to watch. P.S., he put up 21 against Michigan earlier this year, and he will not back down from any of the big boys the mount is matched up with on Monday. He shoots at 40% from 3-2. Everyone will be pulling for this particular student athlete and this team. Everybody loves the underdog. Everybody loves the undersized guard. This team put themselves out there early this year. Listen to the list of teams that they played earlier this year. They went out and played a whole bunch of pay games. A lot of them losses. West Virginia, Iowa State, Minnesota, George Mason. They got that win at George Mason. Nice win on the road for the Mount. Southern Illinois, UT Arlington. And remember, UT Arlington is the only other team in the nation besides Gonzaga that has defeated St. Mary's this year. Is that supposed to be impressive? Sorry. Good. They only have four losses, ah. two two teams. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, just, uh, yeah. <laughs> Shake it off. Shake it off. Uh, they also played Michigan and Arkansas. Now, all of these road te- all of these road games were losses, but the Mount did take a, a bunch of games here, hoping for that one signature win. They just didn't cash in. This seems like a 16 seed waiting to happen and waiting to play on Tuesday or Wednesday, right? Which means the amazing opportunity to break through and win an NCAA tournament game. So, the Mount, congratulations on the win. Congratulations on the invite. We will totally be rooting for Junior Robinson. He is going to get highlighted in whatever game that he uh, that the Mount gets put in. Uh, so pay attention to him. He's just really fun to watch. Let's be careful, Mount St. Mary's. One of only four teams in NCAA history to make the tournament after starting 1-11. and 1-11, that's correct. Gus gave you the big win at George Mason. That is a tough schedule. You get, you know, so you're not going to be intimidated by who they're going to play. They like to go up and down. The VCU coach doing a little havoc. It's an issue. Be careful at Mount St. Mary's. They've played in the tournament before. They have experience, and they don't care who they're playing because if you played at Iowa State and you played at West Virginia, you really don't care where you play. You know what? They've probably <laughs> seen that done that whatever you're going to run at them any big team that they're going to see so i agree with your i agree with your assessment there that they've probably been through the ringer with whatever anybody's going to throw at them let's see if they can change the script adjust what they're doing and play really well get hot early and stay in the game late for an opportunity to pull an upset but i think they're in that 16 playing 16 range type game on tuesday or wednesday so maybe they get to have that opportunity to get that NCAA tournament win. That'd be really cool. Yeah, Jamie and Kristen's done a great job. He's only 34 years old at Mount St. Mary's. Like I said, he was at VCU under Shaka. 
They call it Mount St. Mary's Mayhem instead of Havoc. Uh, they're going to pressure. A lot of threes. Mount St. Mary's Mountaineers started 1-11, and they're ready to go. 5-5 five five Junior Robinson. Reminds me of Nate Robinson. Can throw it down, and they will be exciting. They are certainly a game to watch. All right, next place we're going to head to also has like a unique story to it. No matter which team won here, we had Milwaukee coming in, which was 11-23 and and only 4-14 and in the conference and they just ran out of steam versus Northern Kentucky. Northern Kentucky came in at 23 and 10. They were 12 and 6 in the conference. They pull out the win, 95. Uh, I'm sorry, 59-53. I love the Horizon. I feel like the Horizon is such a wonderful conference, don't you? It's a genuine mid-major conference. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's the. I think it's the pure definition of a mid-major conference. Ah, pure. You, you're going to get a live team from that conference. You're going to get good players. They have like all these sneaky NBA players, whether they be from Oakland or Valpo or wherever they were. Uh, and guess what? They have like an exciting story this year too. So can we say it right now? The Norse as well. Can we try that out with the Mount? So let's try it out here in this Horizon rundown. Either way, this game went. It was a really cool story. You know, option one, you have the under 500 Milwaukee team winning, and they fall right into that lovable underdog role, and that team that got hot at just the right time, and, you know, they are the definition of Cinderella. However, the Norse have their own really interesting, intriguing story. It's a team that just turned D1 five years ago. So they had to go through this, like, vetting process or, or, or transition period, and they weren't actually eligible for any postseason play until this year, 2017. Can we just file this under another dopey NCAA rule? I mean, it's a, what? look, if you're D1 and you play great and you got players and you have a great coach and you have a great program and great packing, great backing, like, why not be ready year two? Just give everybody one year to get ready. Let's not, let's not fool around with it. Well, the Northern Kentucky Norse, are in the dance in their first year of eligibility. Wow. Head coach John Brannon, coach of the year in the conference, John Brannon, should also get some national pub and maybe be on the also receiving votes for national coach of the year. What a job out of this guy. You're eligible year one and you make the tournament. Really cool. Now, a few things had to break right here for the Norse, right? Oakland and Coach Camp lost at the buzzer earlier in the tournament, so they got knocked out. Valpo's Alex Peter suffered a season-ending injury. Even with a slightly smoother path towards March, the North still had to execute and win these games, and that's exactly what they did. And that should be celebrated, regardless of the script for the other teams in the horizon. All right, let's get to the players. You ready? Drew McDonald. 6'7 swingman, played like a first-team All-Horizon player the past five games or so, and he even went for 37 earlier this season. Dude can put up some numbers. The guy that makes everything go is 6'1 point guard LeVon Holland II. 14-ish points, four helpers, shoots at a respectable 37% from three, and he averaged about 18 over his past five games, so he definitely stepped up in the tournament. Every team needs one of these glue guys that's been through the ringer, right? Cole Murray is the Norse's guy. The senior who has been there four years, he's traveled the road with the program, 6'7 swingman, averages about 10 points a game, about 40% from three. You've got to feel great for a student athlete like Cole Murray. He put the time in, he trusted the program, he trusted the process, he invested in his coach, and he's rewarded with another game to play in March. Really nice. Got to love it for a guy like that. Now listen, Horizon League champion, Northern Kentucky. We're 24-10 this year. Drew McDonald was voted the first 
a team all horizon with his 10 double doubles. He was second most in the league. We mentioned Brandon was coach of the year in the horizon. He led the Norse to the second best turnaround in the country. They had 21 wins during the regular season. That's 12 more than they posted last year. Northern Kentucky led the horizon in three pointers and was 15 and oh Gus when reaching 80 points. Really? Yes, sir. Interesting. I didn't, I was not aware of that little number. So they will get up and run with somebody if that team wants to get out and score. That's interesting. Yeah. Be, Horizon's always live. Be, be a little careful. I, I would put them a notch below some of the other teams. I don't know if I'm filling out the bracket. I'm putting Northern Kentucky ahead of some of the, the – whoever they're going to be playing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're live. They're, they're definitely live. They're not, I'd say all the teams we talked about right now, I guess we're the lowest on Jacksonville State, right? I mean – and they just, yeah. Similar situation to them. They were not Division One, you know, till till a little bit after. They came from Division Two, but uh, you know, Horizon team is always frisky. Used to be, uh, who was that Horizon team I always wanted in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, right? Uh, Kiefer Sykes. Oh no, no, that was Green Bay. Green Kiefer Bay. Sykes. I'm sorry, Wisconsin Green Bay. Kiefer yeah. Sykes. He, he, God, been, he was so nasty. Oh, he was wasn't? so good in it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who All else right. we got, Gus? Let's head over now. This one was pretty cool. The, it seems like every place that we're hitting has like a kind of unique flair and its own little cool backstory. The Summit League is no different. We have South Dakota State, who came into the game 16 and 17, 8 and 8 in conference overall, and they overcome Omaha, who was 18 and 13, 9 and 7, and the game went down to the wire. Last second shot, 79-77. The Jackrabbits are back in the dance. One of the coolest uh, nicknames. I really like the Jackrabbits. And we want to welcome back Mike Dom. We missed you. The 6'9", multi-skilled soft is averaging over 25 points a game with really sick percentages. Uh, every once in a while, Mike and I run through these percentages on a player that's really putting up crazy numbers. Mike Dom is one of those players. He's shooting 52% from the field, 42% from three-point land, 87% from the line, Oh, and hey, let's throw in his eight-plus boards a night. Dude can ball. This might find him on like some sort of All-American third team or honorable mention or something along those lines now that he and his team have made it back to the dance. But we just don't want to leave it there for you guys, listeners. We want to dive a little deeper, right? So let's go on a little deeper Mike Dom dive. All right? Everybody hold your nose. Get your goggles on. Here we go. Splash. We're in. Over his 13, his last 13 games, Dom is averaging over 30 points a game. That's insane. And in that run of games, he put up 51 points. What's more fun than that? Somebody putting up 50. And if you remember last year, Dom's numbers were so efficient as the quasi-six man for the Jackrabbits team that made the tourney, he averaged like uh, 16-ish points in like 24 minutes or under. You know, extrapolate that over out 40 minutes, and he's averaging like, I don't know, like 37 points a game, right, or something crazy like that. Um, anyway, I know it's a bit of an exaggeration, but Dom is playing a little bit out of his head. And Mike Randall, we always like to go with the uh, the comps for the listeners out there, and I want to credit somebody who I was thinking the exact same thing, and I heard him mention it. So I want to credit Matt Norlander from CBS uh, he's one of the anchors of the podcast, a uh, very talented writer. He had a great write-up on Gonzaga earlier this year. Uh, Matt, Lo- Matt Norlander and I were thinking the exact same player when we were thinking about Mike Dom. Remember Taylor Coppenrath, Vermont? Oh, yeah. Sure. Of course. Like, big bruiser, really skilled, difference maker, can do a whole bunch of things. 
he reminds me totally of that guy, and I heard uh, Matt Norlander reference him too, so we were kind of thinking the same thing, uh, similar minds. Uh, we also have Reed Tellinghusen, who plays the sidekick here. The 6-7 swing is another holdover from last year's team. He puts up about 12 points a game. And then we have a really interesting third wheel here. The guy running the point is Michael Urs, who is a rare double transfer. Okay, He played his initial year at Kansas State. Then he moved on to Northern Iowa, and he's playing his final season here with the Jackrabbits. So two big-time programs, and now he's back with the Jackrabbits and Mike Dom. The 6'3 talent will not be afraid of anyone he's going to be matched up next week because he's probably practiced against players that are better than he's matched up with the past three years at those two other programs. This is not something to overlook. It's a really interesting collection of talent that they have here. Are they going to be a huge underdog? Absolutely. Uh, maybe do they find themselves in that 16 playing game? Maybe, which would be really fun because then you get to see Dom put up a whole bunch of points. This team's really interesting just because they have such a stud like Dom leading the way. And then they have some odd, really tested other pieces that are a little bit under the radar. I like the Jack, Jack Rabbits last year. And you know what? I kind of am on them again a little bit this year. Only reason I have trouble getting on board with this is because they were eight and eight in conference. Uh, it, it's hard for me to see them all of a sudden win a huge first round upset. If they're not in that, you know, the, uh, the first four game because they really were mediocre this year, but head coach uh, TJ Otzelberger, 18 and 16 for the Jack rabbits from summit league. Uh, the second straight year, as Gus said, they gave Maryland a nice scare last year. Again, odd that they made it last year, almost beat Maryland and they were eight and eight during the regular season, but they came out as the four seed, uh, Dom's a star, as you said, uh, Summit League Player of the Year. He was second in the nation in scoring 25 points per game and national leader in free throws made, by the way. And you mentioned this, scored at least 30 points 11 times and, of course, the 51 against Fort Wayne for the Jackrabbits. And one last thing about Dom. You um, always love when, you know, we mentioned this with uh, Iona and Washington. You um, always love when your best player steps up on the biggest stage and in the finals game, Dom put up 37 points. What else you want? That'll do. That, that, that's fine, right? All right, Mike Randall. Can, you, can you handle it? Can, can you handle it, it a third time? Yeah, I can because I had it locked. Vegas, you lost it this time. You got me on UNC. You got me on Michigan State. I got you. 80% of the money being bet on Gonzaga. You keep dropping that line because you think you know something. You don't know anything. You know why? Because we know Hackman. That's exactly right. That's why. Mike and I were both on this game when the line was at about six, and then when it got dropped, we were all over it. Uh, we really liked Gonzaga in this game with the point spread. Uh, we're sorry we didn't put it out there for you guys on a fishy line. Our apologies. But i got to tell you, the third time's a charm. It's always hard to beat a team three times in one season. Isn't that like one of the standbys that you have like when you run into a, a, that team that third time in the playoffs? You feel like you're really well scouted. You know all the tricks in the bag. You know, like, their second and third options off the flare screen, right? But I guess it's just not true in this particular matchup, in this particular season, with this particular group of student-athletes. First things first, let's just take a quick moment and celebrate St. Mary's. They only have four losses on the season, as we mentioned earlier. They've only lost to two teams all year, UT Arlington and Gonzaga. That should be celebrated. They have unbelievable defensive numbers, according to Ken Palm. 
They play at a really interesting pace. They're unbelievably efficient on offense. They have players, shooters, and ball handlers at all five positions. Are they a little undermanned against Gonzaga? Yeah, obviously they are. But I think that somehow St. Mary's is going to get a little swept under the rug here, and people are going to kind of forget about how good they've been the rest of the season against everybody else except Gonzaga. So I think that they're going to be an issue. I think they're going to be... I think it's going to be a matchup friendly situation for them where the other team is going to have to adjust to how they play. I really like the St. Mary's team. I just don't like them at all against Gonzaga. So I think moving forward, I think Mike and I will probably look favorably on St. Mary's depending on the matchup. And sometimes that's clouded just because of the three losses to Gonzaga in the conference. And sometimes that takes away some of the shine of the Gales. They're still really good. Okay, so let's not forget that part. Now, on to the good stuff, right? How good is Shemek Karnowski? The dude is a beast inside. If you put your eyes on this game, he looked even quicker, healthier, and more nimble than he did midseason. He is a beast on defense in the lane. He covers so much ground with his quick, underrated foot speed shuffling from side to side, covering the lane, and his wingspan is also underrated. He puts his hand out, and you people literally turned around. They, they, they stopped their dribble and backed back out because he was there. The guy is unbelievable on defense. He is such a difference maker on the defensive end. And we're just, you know, we can just ignore his touch on the offensive end. The guy is has an unbelievable touch from inside 15 feet. He can put it off the glass. He can go either hand down in the post. I think he's going to be a real issue for whoever he's matched up with in the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. I don't think there's many people in the nation that can match up with him physically on the defensive end or the offensive end. Also, they won this game by almost 20 points with absolutely zip from Collins, perhaps their best NBA potential talent. He gave them absolutely nothing and pulled kind of like a Jack Landell where he got in foul trouble right away and was a non-impact player for most of the game because of that foul trouble. When you're going to get absolutely nothing from potentially your best pro prospect and blow a team out by 20, really impressive. And I'm so happy for Nigel Williams-Goss. He has found a home. He's the voice of this team. He's unbelievably well-spoken as a student athlete. He's really thoughtful. He's unbelievably invested in the program, the system, and his teammates. He is the right type of leader that this team needs. I love this Gonzaga team. I've been on them all year. I am not getting off the bus now. The loss to BYU was simply a hiccup. Let's move forward. Let's celebrate them. One lost team going in. If they don't get a one seed, something's wrong. I'll go a little bananas, similar to when Semi Ojale was left off the wooden finalist list. They deserve a one seed. I love the Gonzaga Bulldogs. All right. Well, now that the plaintiff has made his opening statement, now the defendant will go. I think you should call the monkey and get some bananas because they ain't going to be a one seed. And here's my thoughts. First of all, let's go to your St. Mary's comment. Okay. We're making Gonzaga out to be UNLV in 92. Okay. We're going a little nuts on Killian Tilly and Zach Collins. Okay. They're not first-team McDonald's All-Americans. This is not Kansas. This is not Kentucky. St. Mary's has had a very disappointing season. 
you return all five of your starters, and you beat Gonzaga last year, and you can't beat them once, season's a failure. I'm sorry, because you know what? That's their measuring stick. You want me to sit here and wax philosophic about uh, the big win at Pacific, 74-70? Is that what you want me to hang my hat on? Or maybe the home game against Pacific, 62-50. Or maybe it was the 63-52 game at San Francisco. Or maybe, just maybe, they can sit there and say, man, I guess Eric Mika and Hawes can do it, but we can't do it. I'm sorry, Gus. I don't want to hear about St. Mary's. I'm not picking him in a first-round win. Where has Calvin Herbinson been? He's been on the side of a milk carton. That's where he's been. This team has underperformed. I am sorry. Who have they beaten? Nobody knows. Everyone thinks St. Mary's is good because everyone thinks Gonzaga is good. Newsflash. Portland is not good. Okay, just because they played Gonzaga. Next, Gonzaga has had a very, very good season. And they deserve the accolades. They had a really nice season. But if you want to talk about the strength of schedule, they did beat Arizona. But in that Arizona game, when they played them, and it was 69-62, they played them without the point guard, Parker Cartwright, and without Alonzo Trier. And they got up big, and they held on. They did win at Iowa State at the beginning of the year, a win which looks better and better. Listen, I am with you. I think Gonzaga is a very good team. I think they are vulnerable. I do not think that this is like the top team. Every team has flaws, and to me, Gonzaga is just another team. I think they've been rattled a little. I don't think they've been tested because everyone's saying they've been tested because of St. Mary's. Well, maybe St. Mary's isn't good. Why do we think St. Mary's is good? Well, because they returned all five starters and they had 25 wins last year. Great. They got smoked by the only team that they measure themselves against in the conference each and every time. And even Vegas got screwed over by Sam Rothstein from Casino Reference, who actually won because they tried to drop the line. So I'm not sold on St. Mary's. I think Gonzaga is very well balanced. I think Few does a great job. I don't think they're getting upset in the second round against the 7-10 or 8-9 game if they are one seed. I think that their floor is high. But I will tell you this. They're going to have to beat a Louisville or an Arizona or somebody like that to make it through to the Final Four. And right now, I just don't think it's going to happen. But that's just my thought. The defense steps down. I love when we agree to disagree. That's one of my favorite parts of this podcast. <laughs> I love, you know what? I, I just I, here's the thing. I no one was higher on St. Mary's Gus than me, right? And right. I bought into yeah. narrative. I've watched them so much this year. I just don't think they're that good. I think Emmett Nard doesn't score. I think Hermanson. We get excited because he's a lefty three point shooter. He hasn't done much this year. You know my thoughts on Hackman. Maybe they're not good. And if they're not good, how do we know Gonzaga's good? Based on what? Well, they beat it's Iowa f- State. Okay. Well, they beat Arizona without two of their starters. I, we'll see. I, 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 but like I, until I see Gonzaga go out and win, I'll tell you right now. I'll ask you this one. Ready? Give me your top of your head answer. Gonzaga, Kentucky, Elite Eight. Who are you taking? Gonzaga. That's the answer. And if that's what you can say, then I respect that because that is the answer. Because Kentucky has not played well. They're injured. But they got Burger King all Americans all all Americans all over the place, right? That's the type of team. If if Gonzaga gets by them, I tip my hat, Mister Few, and you belong in the Final Four. But that's the game I want to see him win. Okay, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw out two other things here. Here we go. Uh, one, I'm fairly certain. I don't have this in front of me. This is just me being Gonzaga crazy head, right? I think Zach Collins was a McDonald's All American. I think he's one of their first McDonald's All Americans like ever they got as a freshman. We can go back and check that out, but I think that might be the case. Also, I'm looking up right now. 
Okay, yeah, check it out right now. Also, here's my other Gonzaga point, okay? Now, follow me on this one, people. I think that few loved having Wiltshire in as a transfer. I think he loved him as a player. I think he loved him as a person. I think he loved him as a student athlete. I think he loved that he got a Calipari guy in his program. I think he loved all the aspects about having Wiltshire. I also think he knew that he was limited with the ceiling of that particular team because of Wilcher's deficiencies on the defensive end, and they are a defensive-minded program. Yes, Mr. Collins was a uh, McDonald's All-American. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Again, I'm not. I I love Gonzaga. Sorry. Um. So I think that even though he's playing, like, and he's playing big minutes as a role player in the NBA, like he's a legit guy. He was a legit first-team All-American. Um, he was a legit candidate for player of the year preseason last year. I do think that few knew that he was limited with what he could do. And now I think with the pieces he has this year, I feel like he has a lot of chess pieces that he can move around and change around, i.e. Collins gets into foul trouble. It's no problem for them. Like, they don't have an issue with that. They can say, okay, you're going to go sit down. We're going to bring Tilly in. We're going to play Jonathan Williams more minutes. Maybe we'll move uh, Melson down and play a three-guard alignment. Like, are are we good. that sure that Killian Tilly in his 4.6 points per game is a plug-in guy in a lead eight game at a critical moment? That's my point. Like, I, I, right, right. We, we think I, he's I, good because he'd be Portland and Pacific. Are we that confident? Collins, I get it. Is a first is, is McDonald's All-American. I have no problem with that. But he's still a freshman. And he's still only 10 points per game. Malik Monk was a McDonald's All-American, and he's 20 points per game. That's my point is, like, I can't right. get there yet. I can't oh. get there. Okay, and so my last point on this game, this particular matchup, and then we can move on from Gonzaga, is I, I think your assessment of each team using the other as the barometer is a very fair one because they just don't have the opportunity – to have like that third or fourth team that another big conference would have, like the Big Ten or the SEC um, or even the Big East at this point, where you can have another measuring stick. So the fact that they're you know matching up against each other and kind of feeling each other out, yeah, I agree. Maybe we don't know exactly how good each one of these teams are, and I think that's a very fair assessment, especially in this particular conference this particular year with BYU being down a little bit and the rest of the conference, you know, kind of trying to find their way to put it kindly. Um, so I do think that that assessment is pretty fair. Like maybe using each other as the barometer isn't quite the answer. And maybe they're a little off on, on their own assessment of each other. Uh, I'm uh, not Gus, certain. Yeah. Gus, only because I, you know, what lens do we look through them? If they get to the elite right. and, and lose, I think all of us will say fine. Great year. I just don't think Mark few is looking mm-hmm. for another elite eight. I, I think he wants right. to get the monkey off his back. So when I look at them, this is what I say. This is my non-Gonzaga fan prism. Nigel Williams, Gaza's player of the year in the conference. No issue. Okay. We love Shemek. Shemek is great. Shemek is wonderful. Shemek is fantastic. I sit there going, is Shemek scoring on Jonathan Motley? That's what I'm saying. I, you know what I'm mm. saying? Is Shemek scoring on Kennedy Meeks? Mm. Is, is Shemek scoring on uh, Inaz Mahmoud on, on Louisville? That's who he's matched up against. Then I look at, at Matthews and I look at Jonathan Williams. Okay, real good players, 10.4, 10.2 points per game. They're going to give us that in in an Elite Eight game against Arizona? Well, maybe they are. And if they are, then they're going to win. And Mm. that's my point. Collins, great. Only 17 minutes. Okay, so again, impact on the game is going to be limited. 17 minutes. Also tends to get in foul trouble. Did the other night. But tremendous athlete, seven-footer, can shoot at the whole thing. 
That's uh, Josh Perkins. Okay, eight point four. Tilly four point. And, and I just I don't see the matchup. But I, if they have the chemistry that you think they have, this will be a special season. I'm, I'm thinking they do. I, I feel like they do. From the way that they're talking about each other, I feel like they do. Um, you know what? I'm glad we gave them this much pub. I'm glad we gave them this much play. They deserve it. They deserve it. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, so listeners, here's what we're going to do. We're going to check into the library. We're going to knock on the library librarian's desk. And we're going to say, uh, excuse me, librarian, we'd like, to, we'd like to check out a piece for the listeners. Is that okay, librarian? Uh, yeah, yes, Sonny. Hold on. Love the librarian. I'm so glad she helps us out all the time. There you go. <laughs> Sounds like Beaker, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, that's fabulous. So we want to point you guys in the direction of um, a friend of the show, uh, Eric Fawcett. Uh, Eric put up a great piece concerning Gonzaga. Uh, his piece is on pressbasketball.com. And then if once you're on pressbasketball.com, of course, just go to and search Gonzaga. Um, you can also, Mike, do you know his Twitter handle off the top of your head? Uh, yeah, I think it's efawcett7. Let me pull it up. Yes. Okay, very good. Um, so his piece on Gonzaga is really interesting because it analyzes their tournament results because they've made the tournament like the past 17 years, right? And he, what he did is he did some research and he matched up their seed expectation and compared that to their actual achievement and then did a little equation, a little math, and then evened out and said like, okay, let's see, did they really underachieve? Did they really not do what they were supposed to do? And I'm not going to spoil it so because we want you guys to go ahead and put your eyes on this on this article, but the results that Eric came up with were absolutely fascinating and really justify his piece. Yeah, he, d- he does a great job, guys. His seed expectation yeah. was, was really, really cool. So basically, if you're a 9 to a 16 seed, and you can read the rest of it, but I'll give you a quick summary. 9 to 16 seed, yeah. you're, expected, you're expected to lose in the first round because you're an under-seeded team, right? 8 plays 9, 7 plays 10, whatever. So he says your expected round is not to win. So if you were to win a game, he'd give you a plus one because you got one spot further. Five, six, seven, or eight, of course, you're supposed to win one game and then lose. Three or four, sweet 16, et cetera. So he did a seed expectation. This was a tremendous article. It was a great breakdown. I argued with him a little bit on Twitter, and that's the only thing I'll say. I don't like going back and doing the anecdotal information. And then mm. – so my my issue with him, which he, he recognized, and I, I think that Gonzaga fans are going to side with him and then maybe those people who don't like Gonzaga may side with me on this one. Right. Oh, well, they lost to Wichita State in the second round, but Wichita State went to the Final Four, so they were really good. Well, well hold on a second. So then basically now we can only lose – if the only time it's bad is if we lose to teams that don't go on. So if you lose to a team and they end up advancing – then you can just sit there and say, "Ah, oh, well, they, the, the team was really good. They were underseeded. The seed right. is the seed. You know what I mean? Right. If you're a one seed, you should not be losing to an eight seed. I don't care if it's the greatest eight seed of all time like the Kentucky team from years ago. But right. it, it is a fair point. It, you can look at this if you're a Gonzaga fan and it makes a lot of sense. Gonzaga's been really, really good. They've also done better in the tournament than you realize. They were a step away from beating Duke, step away from beating uh, Syracuse last year. So it's a great read. Give it a look. Go see him on, on Press Basketball and search on a Gonzaga a Sons and Naismith. Absolutely. I really enjoyed the read. I thought the math was fascinating. I thought uh, Eric's opinion was really fascinating. So if you're looking to like firm up your opinion on Gonzaga, this article and this write-up from Eric just might do that for you. Um, and we want to give you one more little tidbit, okay? Uh, that's a little geeky. Uh, it's a little mathy. And we'll go a little bit deeper into it uh, tomorrow and when the brackets are released. 
Uh, we had another uh, friend of the show really help us out. You can find him at at Jimmy underscore Chitwood, spelled just how you think it's spelled from the movie Hoosiers. Really cool Twitter handle. Uh, Coach Matt uh, crunched some numbers and sent the numbers over to us. And then those numbers were put into this unbelievably detailed article at bighouseanalytics.wordpress.com. And then that should be one of the first articles that's up. And, of course, it'll just say, like, March Madness, uh, a comprehensive overview of why teams make the Final Four. So you can go ahead and check him out at bighouseanalytics.wordpress.com. Or you can follow him at Jimmy underscore Chitwood. Again, super cool Twitter handle. Yeah, so he, he did. He he did a great job. He took a look at this, broke down all of the final four, the 120 final four teams that have either been one or two seeds, and he looked at them going back at, to uh, there's an article called uh, from Grantland of Shane Ryan Money Brackets, mm-hmm. a 15 step guide to conquering March Madness. He right. came back with an efficiency margin, which talks about the trends. So basically, it's you know those that that don't don't learn from the past or are doomed to repeat it. So what are the trends in the Final Four teams? And then which teams now, who we see as Final Four contenders, Baylor, Purdue, Duke, UCLA, which one of them don't measure up to that? Uh, so he's got some real interesting stuff uh, talking about adjusted, uh, adjusted offensive efficiency, adjusted defensive efficiency, looks at the teams and says to you, who are the teams that are more than likely to make a run at the Final Four? And you may be surprised at some of this stuff. It's tremendous stats. It's fantastic Eat it up. Enjoy it. He writes bighouseanalytics.wordpress.com. Great site. Check it out. If you're into March Madness, these two articles between Eric and our, our guy at Jimmy underscore Chitwood are, are tremendous. Yeah, we love uh, what Coach Matt did. Uh, he definitely pays attention to some Ken Palm stuff. And then what he does is he just kind of breaks it down and does like a checklist and just checks off like, does this team check all the boxes? Yes or no? Um, and then he gives you like a little rundown and says, well, I think this team is looking good for the Final Four or looking good for a championship run. Uh, we will go a little bit further into those numbers. We're just going to give you one little tease since we are on a little Gonzaga kick here. Gonzaga looks good according to the checklist. That's all we're going to tell you. Uh, go back and reread the whole thing. If you're if you're a fan of another team, he's got, he's got a lot of teams on here that you'll be interested in, and you'll kind of like tweak your eyebrow out. To say, like, wow, I didn't think about that, that team, or, hmm, that team looks like it might be in trouble. Uh, so, you know, if you're looking for a little bit more information and you like to read stuff as opposed to listen to stuff like Mike and I, then put your eyes on those two things. Those two things were really impressive. All right, we'll finish it up tonight, Gus, with a little uh, on Broadway. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's catch a cab, take it to Broadway, and see what's on the marquee. Let's do that. Yeah, I was a cab guy when I went to Milwaukee. I'm not an Uber guy yet. Still a cab guy. On Broadway. All right, you want to go on the couch or is it me tonight? Oh, no, please hop on the couch, Mike right. Randall. Let's right, go. Because last time we did the reverse, it was pretty good. All right, I'll get it, Yeah, it was pretty good. I, I liked that. I, I didn't mind. All right, get up there. Do you, need, uh, do you have a pillow? Yes. Fluff. That sounds good. Fluff. Fluff. <laughs> All right, listeners, here we go. We'll give you a quick rundown, uh, give you a couple of highlights to pay attention to, and. Uh, give you our thoughts on it okay mike randall here we go we're going to start in the acc we're going to go number six unc versus miami who overcame syracuse today does miami need this win to get in is unc going to be a little flat from the layoff what do you think miami doesn't need to get in and unc is going to win next 
Fabulous. I know a few guys will have their eyes on this game. It's going to be at noon. It's Davidson and LaSalle. I know my guys AJ, and Hank, and Scout will be uh, trying to tune in that game and maybe uh, trying to watch it during lunch. Jack Gibbs is healthy enough. Is he healthy enough for a win or two here in the tournament? The dude has like four different injuries and has not left the court. He is a stud. He still might be playing with like one of those masks because he had an injury to his face. The guy is unbelievable. I really am enjoying his his attitude and not sitting out any of these games. Just want to be on the court with his teammates. Um, any other thoughts about Davidson or the A10 overall, Mike Randall? Uh, A10's been interesting this year. Uh, UMass had a big lead today. Almost lost it. Came back on him. Hard to predict this one. Really have no idea the noon game on Thursday. Gibbs is banged up, so I'm gonna take LaSalle. Mm, interesting. Okay, uh, I'm gonna lean. Gibbs is good for a game or two here. I think he's got one more explosive effort in him. I say give me Davidson. How about Illinois and Michigan? I'm really loving Michigan in this matchup. I'm waiting to see the line in this game. I looked a little bit earlier. It wasn't up on the particular site that I, I pay attention to. Um, so I want to see the line on this. Maybe we'll put this out as a fishy line if it's uh, you know, if it's in the right market, if it's in the right area. But I, I think Michigan actually has a chance to win this whole entire Big Ten thing. What do you think? Only two teams in the Big Ten that can make a run to the Final Four, Purdue and Michigan. That's it. Don't pick anyone else. Michigan wins this game. Illinois should not be in the tournament. I don't like teams that are 34 and 35 getting in the tournament. Sorry. Love it. How about Oklahoma State versus Iowa State? I mean, we talked about the point guard matchup in this game previously a few podcasts back. I think it's going to come down to who's going to be the best second fiddle. Is it going to be Burton or is it going to be Carroll? I'm not sure, but this game is going to be pretty cool to watch. I want to put my eyes on it, just like I did last time. It was an awesome matchup last time around. Oak State can't really win the big game. They're going to struggle with it. They've beaten some teams they're better than. I, do, I just want to see them do it first. You've got to show me, like Missouri, show me State. I'll take Monte Morris, six, over 6-1 to one turn assist to turnover ratio. I'll take the Cyclones. The guy's, the guy's insane. Hey, Boy, I've, I've gotten on that bandwagon pretty quick, haven't I? Boy, I really hopped on that thing full. Hey, there's, there's room. We're happier here. Come on. <laughs> I jumped on your back there. <laughs> hey, just real quick question about Oklahoma State. Do they need this team do they need this win to get in, or no. do you think they're safely no, in? No, they're in. And, I, and and they're in. I mean, listen, I have no problem if you're ten and eight or nine and nine even in, in big conferences. I'm fine with that. What I don't want is people talking about Clemson getting in if they beat Duke today. What are you what are you talking about? By the way, I, I have to say, by the way, Blossom Game has just had a wonderful season that no one has noticed. Twenty points a game on that team. I mean, come on. Place. Totally under the radar. Great player. I hope he gets a. I hope he gets drafted, uh, and I hope he finds his way in the NBA next year. I really do. And re- and really quick on that game, what we talked about, but Grayson Allen, Gus, totally came true. Grayson Allen got a foul call, slammed the ball down. The ball went off his hands. He tried to slam it and catch it. He didn't catch it. Therefore, because it went off his hands, it went into the crowd. He got a T. The refs nope. are staring at him. They stare at him whenever he's demonstrative, and they're ready to bang him. Unbelievable. I, I, I mean, I think we called it, right? We said that's going to turn into like a Draymond Green that's situation it. where he's going to cost it. his game a t- He's going to cost his team a game. Zero points and a T. Yep. Wow. Talk about negative impact. Holy smokes. How, uh, speaking of Duke, how about number 14 Duke versus number 10 Louisville? I'm just going to say, hmm, on this one after that comment. Yeah. How about you calling Frank Jackson getting hot? Now all of a sudden he's averaging 17 points per game over his last three. I'm going to be tuned into this one in a huge way. Because you know I like Louisville, and you know I've been down on Duke. But let me tell you something. Frank Jackson's getting 15 to 20 a game. Duke is going to be a problem. Definitely, and especially if Tatum and Kennard continue their high-level play, which they've been doing. If you add Jackson to that recipe, man, oh, man. You know what I'm going to also say? I bet Quentin Snyder plays a little bit out of his head in this game. I'm calling a big game from the Louisville point guard. 
How about these three, like, loser leaves town matches? We've talked about this phrase before. Uh, you know, we have WWE roots in our childhood uh, where the loser left town and he would have to walk back down the aisle, like, waving his hand after he lost, and they'd have to play the other person's entry music as he left. So how about Seton Hall versus Marquette in the Big East? Are we, are we fully on board with Seton Hall? Do we really believe in Marquette that they can make another run here and can and build off the momentum they, they garnered after that uh, upset of Villanova? Who do, we, who do we like here? If everybody's got Butler as a three seed because they beat Villanova twice, then certainly Marquette is in because they beat Villanova once. I guess if you beat Villanova, you get massively overrated. I think Marquette is in. I think Seton Hall really needs this game. I do not think Seton Hall makes it. So I think it's a true loser leaves town match if they lose for Seton Hall. I'll take Marquette. Uh, you know what? I can't believe you convinced me. I kind of like Seton Hall here. I think they've played well in last year's tournament. Maybe they can rekindle that type of success be nice to here, against, here against Marquette. It would be nice to see. How about Indiana versus Iowa in the Big Ten in a little bit loser leaves town match? I think both teams have left town. I don't think either one's getting in. So I think this really? is a game that they shouldn't even have a scoreboard up. Both so you can't tell me if, I was in. I, I the I will explode if Iowa goes in ahead of Monmouth. I don't want to hear I agree. Illinois State. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Indiana's not in. Crean, tough one. Teams under five hundred in the conference are not getting in. I don't want to hear it. I think they're both not in. I don't care about this game. I, I wasn't expecting that, but that's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, how about Creighton versus Providence? We'll go back to the Big East. Providence has been on a nice roll. Creighton has tried to hang on for dear life to get this invite. Who do you like here in Madison Square Garden? Total opposite of the last game. Real good feel-good game here. How about yeah. How about McDermott turning around without Mo Watson? How about Marcus Foster stepping up and making that list we talked about, the Jerry West list? And how about, yeah. Ed, how about Ed Cooley for Big East Coach of the Year? How about that one for doing this? After what he's been through with that team, you know, people weren't sure how they were going to be, and now they're, I think they were like 10-8 in conference. It's a real feel-good game. I'll take the shooters from Creighton. Uh I'm kind of torn on this. I think I'm leaning towards Creighton too, although I love what Cooley's done after losing Chris Dunn and Ben Benzel to the NBA. Yeah, he, lost two, yeah. he lost two pros. I mean, he's trying to put it back together. He, you know what? He had a pretty similar similar recipe to coach uh, Marshall at Wichita State after losing two pros. And now he's kind of pulled it back together a little later than Wichita State did, but it's it's kind of cool story that Providence has put together. Uh, again, I'm, I don't really have a rooting interest. I'm rooting kind of for both teams. Uh, I hope they both make it. Uh, I hope it's a great game. Let's give me an overtime in MSG with these two games. How about that? Does Seth that sound Green, good? Seth Greenberg calls him the fighting Ed Cooley's. I love that name. <laughs> yeah, Ed Cooley's amazing. I love him. Uh, Mike, any other teams get tripped up early or anything else that you have your eyes on uh, for tonight or maybe later on tomorrow? No, nah, I'm ready to rock and roll, man. Let's get going. We get closer to the weekend. The automatic qualifiers come fast and furious. And yep. things are good. It's the best time of year. There's more games. There's more qualifiers. Things are on at noon. People are absent from work because they're going to Big East Tournament. Love it. ACC Tournament. It's great. It's great stuff. <laughs> Fabulous. So hey, listeners, we just want to say a quick thank you out there. Thank you for tuning us in all week. We are trying to give you exactly what you need, exactly what you want. We're trying to get you caught up. Thank you for listening to the uh, Gonzaga Diatribe today. Thank you for listening to Mike's Retort of the Diatribe. We totally appreciate you guys tuning in. We totally appreciate you guys rating us on iTunes. If you want to reach the show, we're at Twitter at at SBS Podcast. Again, efficiency of keystrokes. If you want to email the show, please email us. We'd love to hear from you. SBS Podcast at Gmail. Uh, you can catch Mike at Fantasy Warrior Mike. F, help, me out, help me out with the spelling here. Oh, and, uh, Chris for Twitter? Yeah, for Twitter. Oh. 
at FTSY Warrior Mike. That's fantasy, but I ran out of characters. FTSY Warrior Mike. I'm got we got March Madness coming. I'm still doing a little fantasy football, but right now I'm hot and heavy. My editors are like, "Where are your articles? Articles for what, guys? It's the best time of year." We got podcasts. We got BT Powerhouse. I'm sorry, Terrell Pryor going to a team that wears red, like my wife predicted in, in a dream that she had. It's just not a high on the priority list right now. Where where else are you going to get that, listeners? That's amazing insight right there. You were hey, talking again, Polish today. What are you talking about? You you were better than me. I gave it my best attempt. I hope I got it straight. Please let me know, you know, via Twitter or email how I did with that. You know, give me a grade. I'll take a C plus at this point. Come on. Uh, and thank you to Belljar for bringing us in and out. Thank you, Technology Department, for getting all these podcasts up all week for all the listeners. I'm hoping that you guys are loving that. Thank you, Technology Department. Technology, Mr. Swedish Chef. And last question. Does Jack Gibbs and his mask set the screen, Mike Randall? No, Jack Gibbs never sets any screen. He is the one coming off the screen. Folks, the energy is rising. We are fired up. We'll be back tomorrow. More automatic qualifiers, right? Beautiful. Thanks, listeners. Catch up with you guys tomorrow. Screen it.